Zero Vault. Rob Halford from Judas Priest is on the line. Doing fine, Larry. What a fabulous segue. Joan Jett. It's nice to be here. Opens now. Welcome inside the Keto Vault for a very special edition, at least for me personally, and probably the fastest turnaround from being on the air to inside the vault. A good 20 minutes or so with Rob O'Neill, a proud Montanan, a proud patriot, and a goddamn badass Navy SEAL, as he, of course, part of the SEAL Team 6, the legendary team that took out bin Laden, and, of course, uh, he found himself in, in circumstances as the guy who had put the bullets into the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. So for me personally, an amazing opportunity. I actually finished his book recently. I had no idea the interview was coming up. I just uh, finally came across it, and it is a riveting tale. talks about his childhood there in Montana, how he decided he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, and his bid to become a Navy SEAL and the work that it takes, which is extensive if you've never learned anything about the, the Navy SEAL program. It's pretty intense. And then, of course, to his his work, not only with the raid that took bin Laden out, but all other kinds of uh, of amazing missions that he was a part of with the Navy SEALs in a, a pretty amazing career and a pretty amazing man as well. Hopefully you enjoyed as much as I do. Quality time with Robert O'Neill here inside the Keto Vault. Hey, it's Rob O'Neill. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How's it going? I'm doing very well. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate that, man. My pleasure. Where are you traveling from? Oh, I'm traveling from New York City. I, I, I wanted to be as far away as possible so I could make it a nice long travel day. <laughs> All right. You want a full day of travel, not just a couple uh, of hours. I, I, well, I fly quite a bit. I know um, <laughs> flight attendants and, and, and TSA agents by name in some cities, so I, I get around the country. I bet. I bet, man. You get a lot of love. I, I thank you for your time today. I, I thank you for your service. And uh, I, I thank you for bringing your story in book form because you know, it's such an important chunk of history. I think anyone who was uh, uh, who lived through that the nine eleven deserves closure, and you, you gave closure. I, yeah, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Was it a difficult decision to 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 write that book? Um, the, everything. Well, everything in being a Navy SEAL was difficult, and then difficult to get to SEAL Team Six, and then difficult to get on the mission, and then everything after pulling the trigger was difficult. So yeah, it was a uh, right. Yeah, coming out with the story was it, it was kind of. Uh, it was going to happen. It was inevitable. But right when it happened, um, you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube. Something that big, the first question everyone asks is, uh, who did it? And, you know, right. everyone said, who did it? And then one after another, you know, don't tell anybody, but. Stuff, so. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. obviously there's, there's danger of people knowing you by name and you being the, the man who who put the bullets in bin Laden. But then more so in the silence of a Navy SEAL under fire for that. How long was the decision process for you to say, hey, this is so important this needs to be told yeah it was a few years i i had uh after the bin laden raid i got out of the navy about a, a little over a year later um i wanted to do one more combat deployment because i uh, uh i wanted i was going to leave but i wanted them to know them being the navy that i came in through the front door and i'm going to leave through the front door mm -hmm. and then after that i you know i i realized that uh you know even though you get out at 33 years old or even if you retire at 39 you got a lot of life left and you have to find a job and right. I found a job in, in Washington, D.C. I was working with uh, on Capitol Hill. I met some Congress people, one of whom, uh, Carolyn Maloney, who represented part of New York, and said you should donate something to the museum because it's chronological. If you've never been to the museum, I highly recommend it. The 9-11 Memorial Museum in New York City. Uh -huh. And um, and 
I donated a shirt to, at the end just for that, for, for closure. And when I was donating the shirt anonymously, just so people would know that this shirt was there, there was a, a group of about 30 family members who lost loved ones on the most horrific day of their lives. And, and just the way they listened to my story, and I had some of them say, you know, uh, we can put a name and a face with what happened. And this, this will never be closure, but it helps with the healing. And I sort of thought, well, if I can help here, I might be able to help, you know, whatever. And I went through a process that I'd always had journals and, and I figured, well, you know what, if, if, if I can approve, get this approved and put it through the Pentagon Department of Defense, all the agencies and CL Team 6, if, if they approve this memoir and it doesn't put anyone at risk or risk tactics, then why wouldn't I? And I'm happy his history, uh, throughout history, starting with even before George Washington, when he crossed the Delaware, I'm pretty glad he had a, a biographer with him. So we know the story. And uh, along with, uh, you know, all the wars and, and, and great missions, and I, I you know, went through the process and people should know what happened. And, and there were 23 guys on the ground and then, you know, four pilots and, and two air crew. That I, I wish everyone would write their version of the story just because it was so important. Uh, just what a great, uh, um, you know, adventure to be an American from the the woman that found him to the pilots that got us there to the pilots that got us out. I mean, people don't even know this about the bin Laden raid with a helicopter that crashed. Uh, another helicopter came in to get us, and it had SEAL Team 6 operators on there. So SEAL Team 6 rescued SEAL Team 6 on that mission. Wow. I never really thought of it, you know, thought of it that way. Yeah. It's quite a story. Uh, um, it, life happens around you as you're planning, but one of my favorite quotes is, in life, wherever you are, be there. And if you make yourself available, anything can happen. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. How often do you do these spoken words? When did, when did this all start? Uh, well, that started, I... Uh, my wife calls me the luckiest unlucky man in the world. <laughs> like I could, I could, I could step in a pile of crap and find a diamond. Um, <laughs> as I was getting out, I had a friend of a friend who was speaking at an agency, a speaking agency <laughs> leading authorities. And she was working there and she talked to the CEO and just mentioned me. And so they had me for a meeting as I was still in the Navy and they brought me into a room and said, they kind of, I didn't tell them what I had done, but they knew I was on the mission. And I went, you know, I, again, being the luckiest, unlucky man in the world, I was on the mission to rescue my friend, Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor. Yeah. I was the, the first guy to jump out of the plane, the lead jumper to rescue Captain Richard Phillips. Um, I was on the Bin Laden raid, obviously. I was actually on the base when Bo Bergdahl walked off. and We tried to rescue him 19 different missions. Didn't quite get him. Um, but I, I was telling the stories and, and they, they said, you know, if we can, if, if you don't want to tell the Bin Laden story, we can just kind of mold it into a leadership story, why you're team was successful and how it can relate. And we got into that. And then my first, my first real paying gig was a speech that I gave at a company in, in Washington, DC. And, and, uh, I mean, they gave me a paycheck for speaking and I looked at it. I'm like, this is legal, right? Like this, I was used, to, I was used to getting, I was used to getting military pay. And then I finally, I finally got out and figured what people are actually worth. And I was like, man, they're, they're, I mean, granted, that's when I found out what my fair share in taxes is, but, but also, um, um, there, you know, there's, there's life on the outside. So how many, how many engagements were you doing then? I got to a point where I was giving about 250 speeches a year. Wow. And that's like, that's, I'm not talking like a lecture in a classroom. I'm talking, a, I'm talking two cities in a day type stuff. That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'd rather see you than any president that charges, I'm sure, a lot well, more than you do <laughs> <laughs> when it you comes know, to public funny. speaking, Rob. You know, you know what's funny is people say that until like the, when we're at dinner and the bill shows up and everyone has alligator arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm totally messing with you. Now, now you do. All right. So you obviously you speak on the topic a lot. You wrote a book, The Operator, which and, and you know kind of wraps not only the the Bin Laden raid but also your your career. Um, and I'm sure every time you run into someone, it's brought up. Uh, yeah. 
But when you're alone sipping sipping coffee, does do you ever just think to yourself, "Oh my God, I'm I'm the guy that killed Bin Laden," or is that just something that's um, no. No, I'm I'm way too close to it. It, yeah. it does. I don't see that. Even when people come up to me and, and remember my name, it's kind of weird to me. And they're like, "What?" And it's like, "No, dude, I, I'm just a I'm a dude from Montana who didn't know how to swim, who got tricked into joining <laughs> the Navy, who became a SEAL, and you know, 16 years later, I'm in the the number one most wanted terrorist bedroom. Uh, it's it just because, um, well, you know, I, well, I just I wrote a second book that came out last week, actually, with uh, Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor recipient, uh, U.S. Marine. Yeah, I want to talk to you about and, that. The, the way forward, yeah. I got that uh, just it came out literally just days ago because I just got a notification from Amazon that yeah. I got to pick it up. What's that about? <laughs> well, like I mentioned, the kid from Montana, he was a dude from uh, Kentucky that was a, a stud football player, but also a male cheerleader, and then he ends up uh, in a valley in Afghanistan and is awarded the Medal of Honor for, you know, up to close to, I mean, really hand-to-hand combat with the Taliban. And the yeah, that, in there, and Dakota, like, for those who don't know, Dakota took a man's life with a rock. With a rock. And and that's, I mean, that's part of it, too. I mean, the whole thing, it's called the way forward because it's, it's about what do we do now? What next? What's the way forward? Because, you know, he and I were talking about this a couple of years ago, and, and we were we were saying, well, now what? And we realized, you know, you can you can live in the past if you want, or since one of the things we all have in common is time keeps ticking. So you can use, and we think you should learn from the past, but don't dwell on it. Um, if you hold a grudge, the only person that gets hurt is you. So learn from what happened, whatever it was and whatever it is, get over it. That's great advice for life. Get over it, learn from it and move forward. I talk to football teams and, I, and when you're in the, in the moment, I'll tell them, gentlemen, it doesn't matter why it's second and 15. It just is. And the clock's running. What do we do now? Get over it. So it's what, you know, what do we, you know, but, but also what, um, what do we take out of life? It's a, one of my quotes in that book is it's a large planet, but it's a small world. And everyone, believe it or not, at, we're cut from the same cloth and we all get along. We all have a lot more in common. Um, and so he has the, the guy he killed with a rock in a fight. And I have the, uh, one of my kills was in a guy's bedroom up close and personal. And the more we get away from, we're thinking, you know, I didn't know that guy and he didn't know me. And we were fighting simply because we were born on different parts of the planet. And then it starts getting deeper. This is where PTSD comes in. You start thinking, what if we would have met somewhere else? What if we would have met in a coffee shop in Spain? Would we have shared a laugh? I don't, I just killed him because I was there. Someone told me to go there. And that, I mean, maybe we, because most, I mean, most people I've met other, you know, other than Twitter and on cable news, most people, want to get along they want to be good to each other and they want to laugh together and so that's the way forward i mean <laughs> i you know i i used to like i said i worked in cap on capitol hill and i know a lot of politicians but my new thing now is hey if someone's in a suit be wary because they're trying to sell you something <laughs> man you're full of good advice there rob uh yeah i talk a lot one of the most common uh <laughs> when i mentioned when i mentioned earlier when uh the, the most common question asked by other Navy SEALs when they found out, hey, we killed Bin Laden, and they said, who got him? And they said, it was O'Neal. I guess the most common response is, oh, we're never going to get to the end of this. <laughs> so so, I, so, if it was someone else in, 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 your, in your SEAL Team 6 that uh, were the la- were, was the last of the two guys to make the top floor and uh, double tap Bin Laden, would we have heard about it? Is there a guy in, in the SEAL Team that we, you know would never have said a word about this? Um, you know what? There is a guy, probably, and I think he was probably the guy going up the stairs with me. Um, it, it's very difficult 
it, it, that's a tough one to keep because it, it wasn't up to me whether or not people found out. They, when we landed, you know, the 90-minute flight back and we actually landed in Jalalabad Airfield, I just stepped off the plane to throw some trash out, and the mechanics were already pointing at me. And they're like, that's the guy. He got him. He, that's the guy that got him. Wow. So it's hard. No one, no one knows how they're going to react to a situation like that, especially this is a, a once-in-history thing, and I can't help it. Uh, I just I turned the corner because the guy in front of me went straight. I went right to cover his back. That's it. But it's hard to say. I mean, we've had guys. There's been other books written where guys that said I was present when he was killed, so they assume he killed him and all that nonsense. Um, whatever. But like I said, I hope everyone tells their story. There are guys that won't. There's some that will. And I hope stories are told as long as you know. I don't want them, my teammates, to ever be in danger. You know, they. And trust me, I. I also feel bad for the guy who tries to break in their house and hurt them. Cause, like, even with me, I always tell people I'm not looking for it. So the next guy I kill will be in my own house. But these, these are, you know, they're serious. I have nothing but love for these guys. You, you, I, it's going to be hard for me to say a bad thing about them. But it's very difficult because none of that mission happened the way it was supposed to. I was not supposed to be coming up the stairs. I was supposed to get on the roof and jump down to the balcony. So I assumed the guy outside was going to get a shot. It might be one of the snipers or something. But, uh, you know, it just um, – Life happens around when you make a plan. God laughs at you because He's got the plan. Right. What's the old Tyson thing? It's you, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the nose or whatever. That's it. that's exactly right. Everyone's got a yeah. The only time the perfect plan exists is in the planning. Once you leave to do your mission, and I'm sure you've seen this. Once you get where you're going, everything changes. Something breaks, and that's it. Like I was giving an interview today about stress management, and asked me to give an example. I said, "Here's an example. We're on live TV right now." The sewer just flooded in my basement, and I'm not running down there to fix it. I'm waiting till this interview's over. That's handling stress. <laughs> that's... And that, that happened today. It might still be going on. <laughs> wow, look at that. That's multitasking right there. I could be laziness. I think I've done my part. Right, yeah, you don't, you don't need that. You're better than that, Rob. <laughs> Rob O'Neill, our guest. Uh, you as a group, the SEAL Team 6, have you ever gotten back together as a, as a whole collective since then? No. no um... Not at all. I, I've been with no, I've been with a couple of them at a time, but um, most two in a room at once. The way it was explained to me my first day at SEAL Team Six, I'll never. The, the boss told me two things. So this is a commanding officer, and he said, he said, uh, knowing knowing the, the 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 temperaments of the men in this room, he said, if and when we all got out, if we started a company, we'd all be millionaires, but that's never going to happen. And he said, second of all, this is a freight train moving 100 miles an hour, and you can stay on and be a part of it as long as you like. You can get out whenever you like, but remember, as soon as you get off, it's going to keep going. And that's what happened. I mean, you just lose touch. There's guys that, that um, you know, some that I talk to every six months, that some, I have, some I haven't seen since the day I got out. So it's, it's just, uh, it's up to them. You know, we, you know, but it's one of those things where, you know, like in, like in Colorado, who knows? We, we generally... And not just we as SEALs, but we as veterans will run into each other. And I don't know if that's just because we're a bunch of bourbon lovers, but whatever. <laughs> um, it, but we, we will always seem to run into each other. And you can always tell who's who. It's just, uh, I've, I've run into, I ran into a guy that was on the mission with me at a, uh, a Kid Rock concert in a yard in Nashville two, two years ago. Just random like that? Yeah, I just saw him. And, and my, wife, my wife said, oh, my God, that's you know so-and-so. And I was like, well, I better go say hi. And she's like... What if he hates you? I'm like, well, I'm going to find out today. Eventually, it might as well be on my turn. <laughs> Do you, is there is there people that that hate you for for you disclosing the? No, no, what? no. Um, but no, no, no. But some dis disagree. And like with Navy Seals, hates fine. It's if they get <laughs> disappointed in you that hurts. Like, ah, that sucks. <laughs> um, but another thing. Okay, I said I wouldn't say anything bad about Navy Seals, but they're a very unique group. And here's the one. Here's the way I describe them to people who were in the community. You could take ten random Navy Seals houses. 
with each one, put a dump truck full of cash, dump it in their driveway. At least five of them will complain that their driveway is blocked. <laughs> it's a similar mindset to, to get through the difficulty to become a SEAL, probably, I'm sure, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it is. It is. Um, very difficult to get through. Uh, it's a very fine uh, uh, pipeline. And then once you get to be a SEAL, but once you get to SEAL Team 6, it's even the, it's a top 1% of the top 1%. And, uh, I mean, the most the, the further I got up, what I found was the better sense of humor, which is incredible because I think the backbone of a great team is morale. And if people really want to work and, and they're having fun, your team's going to be good. If we, if, I think Henry Ford said, if we take, uh, if we take care of each other, success takes care of itself. Something like that. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Look at that. We're getting all kinds of great information here today. Good. I like that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. It's the boot barn tonight sold out. So we're going to have to sell any more tickets. Rob, the people are already there. We packed the joint. I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'll be the. I'll be the good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> the good looking guy on stage with all the girls yeah. batting eyes. Now, I don't know if you knew this too. I, I'm, like I said, this is just another day in the life of Rob. Sure, he killed the biggest terrorist in the world, but that was just a. He was just on the clock doing his thing. But uh, yesterday would have been Bin Laden's birthday if you hadn't uh, bumped into him. Did you know that? I uh, I did not know that. No, I was not aware of that. I. Um... Forgive yeah, like, me if I didn't. Forgive me if I didn't raise a glass. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get a card. You didn't get a card to deliver flowers yeah, to the uh, ocean yeah. floor. <laughs> that actually happened too. That's real. Yeah, we were giving away tickets for the event, uh, for the sold out event on Bin Laden's would have been birthday. It was like, wow, this is. And I didn't realize till the end of the show that that was the case. I was like, wow, this is again. This is the world speaking to you, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, life's you know life's funny. Just um, take advantage of every moment. Live the moment. Now, uh, on, a, on a series, well, this whole thing's pretty serious. Do you think we should have dropped the mic and walked away from everything once Bin Laden's body hit the floor of that ocean? Um, well, yeah, I mean, but I think we should have uh, left Afghanistan in 2005, pretty much. I don't think we needed to. We didn't need to have a bunch of, peop- a bunch of soldiers, uh, sailors, airmen, and marine, and they're trying to build schools and a government for people who didn't want it. Yeah. Uh, I think we should have kept, kept mission focus, crushed al-Qaeda, which we did. Uh, uh, we were going to, we were, I mean, we're going to need to negotiate with the Taliban as it was. So might as well try to, I mean, we're not going to force Jeffersonian peace on people who believe in dragons. And, and I can tell you some stories about Afghanistan. You wouldn't believe some people over there don't know what time it is, let alone how, how old they are. Uh, they, so um, keep some bases near the border because we know that Al Qaeda went into, uh, into Pakistan and we know where, so we can have you know cross border assets for, for, for um, drone attacks and, and bombings. And then and inevitably for, the raid on the big five. Um, once we did that, yeah, then we should have, you know, we're going to hand it back. And anyone on the ground could have told you what would have happened if we just left the way we did. But having said that, with this administration, they did such a poor job. If you would have taken the team that planned the bin Laden raid and told them the next year, hey, uh, in, two, or in 2021, I want you to come up with the absolute worst, most catastrophic withdrawal you can, we would have come up with exactly what this administration did. Horrible job. And there's, and no one's no one's accountable. No one's been fired. It's it, it's so sad what what happened. And this was the exact same scenario when we first went in, saying if we if we left, this is going to happen. This has been common fact for what twenty two years, twenty one years, right? Well, I mean, if if a Ouija board worked, we could have asked Alexander the Great. Like this is what happens in Afghanistan. And again, they, it it it's like going through a time warp. It's like going back to the twelfth century. So we, you can't even build them a road when you try to explain to them what a road is. 
it's, it's going to help your commerce. They don't know what commerce is. They just know they trade whatever they're making to someone else for someone else. You know, it's like, no, um, we go in there with bombs, we crush them, we kill Al Qaeda, we leave. And all you can do to them is give them a stern no, or we're coming back and then leave. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. It's crazy, Rob. Well, it's, I appreciate well, like, like I've always said, if, if you want to lose anything, if you get enough attorneys and politicians involved, you'll lose. That's exactly right. And I've been into like a, you know, Civil War era stuff, and, and it's, it's the same stuff from the 1700s. Yep, and it will, it will never change. Look at what's going on right now. Yeah, right. Wow. Well, Rob, I can't wait to see you on stage tonight, hear the rest of your story. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. going to be amazing. Colorado Springs loves and fully respects you, sir. Thanks for your time this morning, and, uh, and keep on keeping on. Can't wait to check out the new book, too. The Way Forward is out there now. If you haven't read The Operator, it's a must-read. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what you and Dakota came up to. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited, and, and do forgive me if I decide to pregame a little. <laughs> Don't, well, I'll pregame with you. I'd love to have some bourbon with you, <laughs> my right. friend. Well, you know what? Let's, let's count it. Let's do it. I'll see you tonight. That sounds good, Robert. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time, buddy. Really do. Oh, my pleasure. It'll be fun. Can't wait. Wow, what an inspiring individual, right? And, man, so much knowledge. So many great quotes. I'll be writing these things down. Um, if we take care of each other, success takes care of itself. That is from Henry Ford. I got the Tyson one wrong. The Tyson quote is, uh, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the mouth. Till you get punched in the mouth, then it changes. What else was great from that one? Learn from the past. Don't dwell. Get over it. I like that. Uh, it doesn't matter you know, why it's second and 15. It just is. Deal with it. That guy could teach a lot of people a lot of things. And then uh, my favorite from all of it, though, is this one. If someone is in a suit, be wary. <laughs> That, that's true, man. Trust no suits. Wow. Rob O'Neill. Check out his books. Uh, the Operator was his first one, which talks about his career, uh, how he got into the Navy SEALs, and, of course, paints just a, a, a terrifying picture of what SEAL Team 6 went through to, to finally put plugs in Osama bin Laden. Pretty cool. And his newest book, The Way Forward, as he said, uh, co-written with Dakota Meyer, who's also uh, an amazing soldier with an amazing story is out now as well. The one question in, in hindsight, I didn't ask. I want to know, you think that guy ever pays for a drink? He talked about he likes bourbon and stuff. It's like, I bet since since the day after everyone found out he's the guy that uh, laid into Bin Laden, I bet he doesn't have to pay for many beers, right? If he's at a bar, someone's picking him up. I would, that's for sure. And that's it. Another nice adventure. If you like what we do, tell a friend, subscribe, rate us. And as always, if you don't, let's keep that between you and me. You can email with questions or comments. It's the vault at kilo943.com. And thanks for jumping inside the Kilo Vault.